0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Well, we're going to continue our series today on the life of Jesus. We're taking a look at His life, His words, His works, and we're evaluating our life in light of Him. And I believe today, uh, as I speak Jesus is going to reveal to many of you some of the next steps that he's calling you to take in this journey and this life of following Jesus. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Matthew. We're going to read Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. This is known as the Great Commission. And it comes chronologically after the resurrection. Resurrection is what we celebrated last Easter Sunday with Jesus proving, not just saying, but proving He is the resurrection and the life. And now Jesus is gathering all of His disciples, and He is going to release and reveal the next step. In Matthew 28, verse 18, it says this, Then the eleven disciples, you remember why there's eleven, went to Galilee. (laughs) <laughs> I just picture Matthew, he wrote 12. Oh, nope, scroll that out. 11. Went to Galilee, to where it all began, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came, and he said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, say, make disciples, of all nations, baptizing them, say, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, say, teaching them, teaching them. to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a promise. What a promise. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am more convinced today than ever before that salvation is what mankind needs. The longer I live, the more I'm convinced that salvation is the only solution. We need salvation. More than education, more than prosperity, more than blessings, more than good, we need salvation. We need the solution that the Savior only provides. We need Jesus Christ. And it's, it's salvation that transforms. It's salvation that renews. It's salvation that makes you into a brand new creation. The whole world, more than anything else, needs salvation, you know, I feel, like I'm, I feel like when I read the end of the book of Revelation, that phrase, even so, come Lord Jesus, is how it ends the book of Revelation. He, John's speaking about after all these tribulations, trials, plagues, difficulties, pain, war. He, he doesn't say, so God, hold off. He says, let it, let it happen, Lord, but just come. Whatever we got to go through, just come. And I feel that more and more when I look at the state of the world, I, I feel like I get what John's saying. Every, every week I see something crazier than the last week, and I just say, Lord, come. Please come back. Because I, I don't know how much i got left. I used to want God to wait. Terry, Lord, please. A new Star Wars movie is coming out. Just wait. Lord, please. You know, I want to get married. Just wait. But now it's like, I got it. It's good. Thank you, God. Come, Lord, please. Even so, come. All this is good. It's fine. But, Lord, we want heaven. We want salvation. We need salvation. It's what humanity desperately needs. And this is one of the reasons that Jesus saves you. It's to send you to all those who need to be saved. Jesus knows how much humanity needs salvation. So he saves you to send you to all those around you that desperately need salvation. It's the only thing that will set them free. And you might be the only connection they will ever have to the thing that will set them free. And so Jesus doesn't just save you to... to, to to save you. He doesn't just save you to save you. Salvation is not only eternally internal. Eventually, salvation has to move outward. You are saved to, to be sent. To be sent. Can you say amen, church? Amen. After a great conversion comes a great commission ascending. Let's pray, Lord Jesus. Right now, God, we offer ourselves willingly to you, knowing God, you are the only thing that can rescue. You are the only thing that can change. And God, we submit ourselves to you right now to be used however you want to. We're yours. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said amen. 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 We pick up our story post-resurrection. Some of the disciples had seen Jesus. There are whispers. There are appearances. But there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of unknown. And, and, and the disciples find themselves in the place not knowing what to do next. Have you ever found yourself in that place? Not knowing what next step to take, what direction they should live, what's their future going to look like, what's their calling, what what what, are, what, is, what do we do now? What do we do now? And and they're in this waiting, they're in this waiting game, and they're waiting for Jesus. And that's that's where we're at. We're at. We've been saved, but now we are waiting for Jesus to come or for us to go meet Him. We're in we're in the middle. We're waiting to see the face of Jesus. And this is right where they find themselves. And maybe you got saved last week or, or you've been saved in the last few months. And I'm meeting so many people whose lives are being changed even the last few months, coming to the church and taking their next steps. And it's so, it's so powerful. And so many of them are, are either saying, I asked someone and they told me this is the next step, or they're asking me, what's the next step to take? Because after you've had a conversion, you know that there's more steps to take. Salvation is just the beginning. And so here they're waiting. What do I do? Physically, practically. I, I got saved. I'm being changed, but what am I here for? What do I do? This is right where the eleven disciples were, waiting, waiting for a revelation of Jesus. Tell us, Lord, what do we do next? Here they are, they're waiting. I, I picture it like: have you ever gone to um have you ever gone to the airport and, and when you're you're arriving home. There's a whole group of people waiting for someone to show up, you know. And if it's you, you are blessed. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever done that. For me, I'm still waiting for the waiting, you know. But, but if that's been you, you have like a family that really loves you. God bless, you know. But it's never happened to me, you know. Like my, my, my family sends an Uber. Like, go get that guy. <laughs> well, you, you see, you know, they've got roses, you know, they've got balloons. You know, I at least want the limo guy, like Popovich, Popovich, <laughs> something. And, and you know, what's, fu- what's funny to me, or it always, it always makes me laugh is when, you know, because they have such a, a look of expectation, you know, they're looking for the familiar face. And then when I walk in, they're like, <gasps> and then it's me and the, oh, you know, it's such a funny thing to let people down just by being you. <laughs> you know, and at T.F. Green, it's even funnier because there's an escalator. So you have to endure that weird thing at the whole way down. They're looking there and you get on the escalator like, oh, and then, they're like waving. I'm looking like Trump coming down the escalator. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I apologize. I'm not the one you're looking for. <laughs> it's such a funny thing. You know, there's that expectation waiting for a familiar face. And that's the disciples. They're waiting. You know, I imagine some guy comes from the village. Get out of here, Ralph. They're waiting. <laughs> Finally, Jesus shows up after many days. Because, I mean, in the meantime, they went fishing. They, they went almost back to their old lifestyle. It was so long. They didn't know what to do. Finally, Jesus shows up. There he is. And when they see him, the Bible says they they, they ran to him, they, 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 they saw him, then they worshipped him. They, they fell at their feet, they worshipped him. And I, and I don't think that necessarily means they sang songs. Because worship is even deeper, it's even more than singing songs. I mean, that's so important. But I don't think, like, Andrew pulled a guitar, you know, like, here we go. <laughs> Peter pulls a flute, whoa. <laughs> no, worship, it goes even deeper. Worship is a state of your mind. Yeah. Worship is a state of your heart. Yeah. Worship is a state of your mouth. They, they're, they're looking for direction, and they see Jesus. And what do they do? They worship. If you are looking for direction, could I propose to you to start with worship? Yeah. Start with a lifestyle of praise. Start with a, a lifestyle of worship. Hear me. You've got to get into the presence of the Lord. If you're a Christian and you're a Jesus follower, this is what you should do. Worship while you wait. You've got to get into the presence of the Lord. It is absolutely essential for your ability. The presence is like oxygen to the lungs. You you need the presence of the Lord to live. You need it for direction. You need it for purpose. You need it for future. The presence is what you need. That's what they were waiting for. They were waiting for the presence. However long it takes, I'm waiting for the presence. I'm not moving on until I receive the presence of the Lord. Remember, pastor told me when he was saved, he said, I made a determination. Whenever the church doors are open, I'll be there. I think that's a wise determination for a father to make. Whenever the church doors are open, I'll be there. And they lived an hour away from church, and he said the church doors were open every night but I was there because I had to get in the presence. And you look 44 years later what that determination has built. It has built many doors that are open all nights of the week that people can run to the presence of the Lord. And I would encourage you parents, you need to make that determination in your own life that you say, we as a family are going to put church first. You need to You need to gift this mentality to your children because they won't get it unless you lead it. Parents, you're meant to lead your children. And I'm telling you, this is a wise determination to say when the doors are open, we're there. Church first. Sports second. But church first. Tell your kid, leave your Nintendo Switch at home come to worship. And they say, well, he's only 17. He just can't handle a full service. He's a baby. He's a child. He's only 14. Can I tell you, there's something that will get deposited. Even if they don't feel like, even if you don't feel like they're paying attention, who cares? They always look like that. They're kids. Something's being deposited into their spirit. It bypasses everything else. It goes to their spirit. I can't tell you how much was put into my life when I was in church services. We used to do all-night church services, 24-hour prayer church services. And I think we should get back to that. And someone else should lead it. (laughs) Mom? (laughs) (laughs) but crawling under those chairs something that was on the carpet the oil, the tears was deposited in my soul you know, and please hear me it doesn't matter if your kid grows up to be the next Pele, it doesn't matter if they grow up to be the next mathematician, it doesn't matter if they grow up to be the next Game Boy streamer the number one thing they need to grow up to be is a man or woman of God you have to have that mentality But you lead it. This is what King David says in Psalm 122. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. David has everything. But what makes his heart glad? Let's get to God's house. Do you remember when you were a kid and you wanted to go over to someone's house? And there was that expectation. Mom said Saturday. So you pack your Dunkaroos and you pack your... Boba Fett and you pack all your stuff you got your little backpack and there's this joyful expectation right that we're gonna go over their house I pray that that is your mentality when you come to your best friend's house every Sunday you're driving in you're not down you're not dour and by the way if you are if you barely make it here no that's not you that's a spirit that's trying to oppress you that's not the holy spirit that's not the real you The real you saying, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. And then if your car breaks down or if your tire pops or if the kids are screaming, I know what that is. It's the devil. devil. But it's not going to stop me. I'm going to get to the house of the Lord. I'm not going to let excuses. I'm not going to let life. I'm not going to let busyness get in the way of the thing I'm called to do. Worship. But you understand that you worship even beyond church service. You worship even beyond Sunday or Wednesday. You worship even beyond a place. Worship should be a lifestyle. It should be who you are. And I think there's three different ways that you can worship God with your whole life. Three different ways, your mind, your mouth, and your heart. It's it's a whole body experience. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. God doesn't want your death. God wants your life. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Present your whole body, present your whole life as a living sacrifice. This is real worship. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus, to fall at your feet, to give God your mind, your mouth, and your heart. Let's look at the mind real quick. The mind, so powerful. It's what God has given you. It is your place of reason, your supercomputer. And and God says, I want you to set your mind on things above. This is how you worship with your mind. Set it on things above. Please hear me. You should not have a mind that's in the gutter. You should not have a mind that's always down. You should not have a a mind that's always lost, that's always depressed. I I, I don't believe that that's from God. I believe what God wants to give you is a mind that's lifted higher, set on things above, set on heavenly things, heavenly thoughts, the thoughts of Christ. Romans 12, 2, the next verse says this, so do not conform that's down, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you worship through the Word, when you worship in the Spirit, when you speak in tongues, when you listen to to worship music, when you allow God to correct you, you begin to get a renewed mind. How many people want a renewed mind in this place? Well, how do I know if my mind is being renewed? Here's, here's how you can evaluate. Yeah, ask yourself this question. Are my thoughts, my speech, my actions, are they similar to an unsaved world around me? Because if they are, I would propose that they are unrenewed. If your thoughts, the way you think, is similar to the trends, is similar to what's, what's, what's lately in the news, if it's similar to a bunch of people, and I, I don't want to say this, I don't wanna say this um, incorrectly, I don't want to say this mean, but if, if your thoughts are similar to the people that are broken and are walking a, war, a, a, a path towards death, that's a sign that you need to make your walk right. Because part of worship is a regenerated mind. You think different. You think different. Certainly you live different, but you you think different. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is coming on my mind. His thoughts are coming on my thoughts. He is is changing me. He is renewing me. Salvation creates a significant change of mind. If you're saved, it's not going to take long till you start thinking way differently than you used to think way differently. You won't even be able to figure out how on earth you used to think like that. You know, like on, 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 like, uh, on Facebook or, or on, on your phone, it says like, remember this, and it brings up you know, images from four years ago that you don't have the emotional capacity for right now. I can't handle this. You'll see photos of you and you'll say, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? Because my mind is being renewed. I'm way more mature now than I was. I'm, I'm in a way better place now than what I was. And you say, what happened? Well, I, I got saved and I began to worship, and it led to renewal Amen. of your mind. When you begin to worship God with your thoughts, with your mind, you are going to begin to think differently about, about a whole range of subjects. You'll, you'll think differently about God. Right. You'll think differently about, about life. Yeah. You'll think differently about marriage. When you worship God with your mind, you'll think differently about children. No wonder there's such an attack against children right now. In every single way. In every single way. They're trying to sexualize children. They're trying to cut off children. They're trying to confuse children. You know why? It's because God loves children. He loves children. They hate what he loves. And they really hate his design. They hate his creation. And so there's, there's this uh, force against children. And the latest one is that somehow it's, uh, it's eco-friendly for you to not have children. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Let me tell you something. You get fulfilled in a way That is close to salvation when you have children, when you have children, and when you begin to raise them. Now, it's the most difficult thing in the world, but meaning comes from responsibility. And and, and so, what? But the, the, the enemy wants you to not have responsibility, wants you to live in hedonism, only think of yourself, only think of your pleasure. But when you get saved, you begin to look at the next generation, not at yourself. You begin to look at legacy. Not at yourself. And your mind begins to be altered. And you start saying, wait a minute. My family and my children are the most important things I will ever have on planet Earth. Can I tell you that's not a natural way of thinking? Natural is self. And it's not a worldly way of thinking. The world says don't bring life because of carbon footprint. And it's like, how about spiritual footprint? My kids are going to come and they're going to take some territory. Okay? Okay? When you get saved... When you get saved, you think differently about responsibility. You think differently about freedom, differently about gender, sexuality, money, success, forgiveness, happiness, truth, society, alcohol, substances, spiritual realm. You think differently about everything. Because I'm worshiping and I'm being renewed. And I'm being renewed. And, And that might set you apart from the world. It might set you apart from your family. It might make you different. But let it be so because you are Becoming different. Isn't that the whole point of salvation? God make me different. If I didn't need to be different, I don't need to be saved. But salvation redeems us, changes us, and enlightens us. Your mind used to live in darkness, but when it comes into Christ, it comes into light, and it comes into truth. So the darkness must flee. Christ must reign over your mind, over your mouth. You're going to speak differently. You're going to talk about different things. You're going to have a different tone. Thank God. That tone change might save your marriage. You're going to talk about different themes, different topics. Because God wants to save your mouth. Praises, not curses. Some of you need to be convicted in that area. There's some words that are beneath you because you're coming up higher. Your mind, your mouth, and your heart. God wants you to have a soft heart. He wants to speak to your heart. He, 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 wants, to, he wants your heart not to be hardened like Pharaoh, but to be soft like Moses to the things of the, of, the, of, of the Lord and lead people. That your heart wouldn't be hardened by hatred. It wouldn't be hardened by hurt. And it wouldn't be hardened by unforgiveness. So you let those things go. Say, Lord, I release those things. You could pray this simple prayer. Lord, cleanse my heart. Pray it as much as is necessary. You know, like sometimes it's not a one-time prayer. Clean- cleanliness, it takes repetition. You don't take your car to be washed once. It takes repetition. It has to be sustained. Lord, cleanse my heart. Why? Because I want these areas of my life to glorify you, to worship you, to be renewed by you. And this is where the enemy wants to fight because he wants your heart. He wants your mouth. And the enemy wants ownership over your mind. That's the battlefield. It's, it's the mind. And, and we even see that battle going on in this, in this Scripture. We see the enemy coming after even the disciples, even in that moment. The Bible says they worshiped, but some doubted. Well, there's the battle. There's the battle. But can I, can I point this out from this Scripture that's so helpful? Is that Two things. One, even those that saw the resurrected Christ still struggled with doubt. That's helpful. So when I'm struggling with doubt, it's not crazy. It's, it's a normal process. But here's the more important thing. They worshiped anyways. I, I might still doubt, but I'm going to worship anyways. I'm going to glorify anyways. I'm going to surrender and submit anyways. And I'm going to allow God to take my doubt and redeem it. And I pray, use it to bring Victory and faith over it. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus comes and he speaks to his people as they worship him. He speaks to them and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is resetting the map. After they worship, worship unlocks authority. After they worship, God begins to say, okay, well, now you're going to live under a different authority. Before the resurrection, you lived under the authority of sin, death, guilt, shame. But because of the resurrection now, there's a new authority that can come on your life. And when you got, when you got saved, you went through this transition. You went from a, a place of death and sin, and, and Jesus saved you. Now you get to live under a different authority. But you have to understand this. Whatever you worship, you come under that thing's authority or whoever you worship, you come under that thing's authority. They worship Jesus. Jesus says, okay, now you're under my covering. You're under my hand. You're under my wing. I am the overwatch over your life. Now you've come under my authority. You think of the the battle of Britain you know obviously germany wanted to in world war ii wanted to invade england and and if they were ever invaded they would have wiped england off the map there was just no there was no ability for them to fight back. But before they invaded with the ground troops, they had to beat the RAF, which was a very small amount of, of men, a very small air force. So, so Germany had the most powerful uh, Luftwaffe, the most powerful air force at the time. They sent it in, and for a year they battled in the skies over London. They, they, they fought intensely for a year. It's known as the Battle of Britain, and it's amazing that by, by sheer miracle and strategy, uh, the, the British were able to de- defend off uh, the German air force and able to defend their island. And, and the only reason World War II went the way it went was because they won the battle of the airspace. They won the battle of the airspace. So even when the tide turned and it was time for them to invade and push Germany back, they could do that because they won the battle of the airspace. The enemy wants to own your atmosphere. He wants, he wants to be your covering. He wants control over your mind, over your mouth, over your body, over your heart. He wants, the, he wants to conquer the atmosphere over your life. But Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. I'm over you. I'm above you. I'm the fire by night. I'm the cloud by day. Your mind is mine. Your heart is mine. I've got you covered. And so if there's interference and if there's a spiritual warfare, you can plead the blood of Jesus. There's a greater authority over you now. And Jesus had to win this. He had to conquer to receive this authority. And he did that throughout his life, his death. One of the main moments is when he was tempted by Satan. At the beginning of his ministry, You remember the story? Jesus went into the Judean wilderness and was was tempted by Satan. Three different temptations. But one of them was a temptation for Jesus to give up his authority. Satan said this. Takes Jesus up to a mountain. And if you have, this is what it looks like. This is the Judean wilderness. He takes him up to a mountain. And and in a moment, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And he says, this is all mine. And I will give it to you if you will just do the simple thing. Just bow and worship. Worship connected to authority. Just worship. And if you do that, what did the enemy say? He says, I'll give you all glory and I will give you all authority. If you just bow and worship, I'll give you all glory and I'll give you all authority. What is he saying? He's saying there's an easy way out. He's saying there's an easy way out. All you got to do is agree and worship. And that's the temptation. Our temptation is always to take the easy way out. Have you ever noticed that doing the right thing is always difficult? Have you ever noticed that? It's always harder to do the right thing, like making money without defrauding people. That's the harder thing. (laughs) It's difficult to walk the righteous path. And so what this temptation was is, I'll give you what, hey, come on, aren't you God? Don't you deserve glory and authority? Let me just jump you right to the end and you won't have to go through the trials and tribulations. Let me help you take the easy way out. And this is this is what the enemy does with us. He says, "Let me give you the shortcut to the good things. The only thing I want is I want your worship. I want your mind, and I want your heart, and I want your mouth. Just give me that. Give me your loyalty, and I'll release I'll release what should be yours anyways. I just want your allegiance. But Jesus, he's so good. He resisted the, te- the devil and therefore conquered. If you're unable to resist the devil, you'll never, ever conquer. You've got to push back. You've got to fight back. You've got to say, look, I'm not looking for the easiest way. I'm looking for the right way. I- I'm not looking to-, to just be blessed. I'm looking for the blesser. I'm looking to follow Jesus. And Jesus shows us the way through is to resist. James 4, 7 says this, submit yourselves to God. And resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Jesus showed us what it looks like. He resisted the devil. He died, and he took the authority that the devil was offering him. He took that authority for himself. He gathers his disciples together, and he says, go to the mountain in Galilee, and he's about to give them the great commission. And look, at this is what the mountain in Galilee looks like. It's Arbel. Can you tell the difference? between the Judean wilderness and the Mount in Galilee. It's like the devil only will offer you the desert, but Jesus will always offer you bountiful life. This is what it looks like to walk out the Great Commission. Jesus says, I'll make you fruitful. I'll make you peaceful. I'll make you healthy. Thank you, Jesus, that you did not bend the knee and welcome death. You conquer death and you offer life. And this is the great commission from this location. He says to us, go, therefore, and make disciples. What's he saying? He's saying, represent Jesus, represent me to the whole world. Go, therefore. What's happening? They're being sent. If you're looking for your next step, this is it simply. Worship Jesus. Receive from him his spirit. And then be sent by him to represent him well. The next step, the next step is to fulfill the command of Jesus Christ, which is to go. It's as simple as that. It's to go and make disciples. What is Jesus doing? He's initiating his campaign for the kingdoms of mankind, for the hearts of mankind. The devil says, I'll give you the kingdoms in one moment. Jesus says, I'll take them over the course of Uh, uh, I'll take them over the course of time And I'll take them one by one Man by man Woman by woman Child by child Heart by heart Jesus says to his disciples Occupy until I come C.S. Lewis says this Enemy occupied territory That is what the world is But Christianity is the story About how the rightful king has landed You might say landed in disguise And is calling us to take a part In his great campaign of sabotage Go into all the world And win the kingdoms Heart by heart Soul by soul life by life. This is our calling. This is our next step. And hear me, the great commission is for every Christian. You say, no, no, just pastors, elders, leaders. The great commission is for you, and it's for me, and it's for now. I remember one time I was leaving church um, at another church, we were on vacation, and we went, and this church was in a hotel, so there was like a parking garage attached, and after church, my wife and I were getting in the car, and this woman walked up to us, and she said, hey, I just, I just saw you guys in the parking garage, and I just wanted to give you this tract, and it teaches you how to pray, and, and, and it just talks about Jesus, and if you need this, I just want, here you go. She didn't know we were pastors. She didn't even know we went to church. We were leaving church, you know? She thought we were at the mall or something, and so she hands us this tract, and then she gets in her car and leaves, and I thought to myself, With people like that, that church has to grow. Because she sees it as her own job to go into all the world, and to make disciples. What do we do? It's as simple as this. The first thing you do is you make disciples. This is what Jesus is asking of us. This is the Great Commission. Make disciples. Please hear me. He wants more than attenders. He wants your allegiance. Make disciples. That means follower. That that, that means learner. That means that you are in it much more than just once a week or once a year, but your whole life is dedicated to learning the ways of Jesus. I pray that this church grows not in numbers, but in disciples, people who are baptized, people who are saved, redeemed, serving, loving, moving. May this church grow deep, not just wide with disciples. Jesus says, go make disciples. You say, Jordan, I'm waiting for you to make disciples. No, you know Jesus, and you might be two steps ahead of that person, but two steps is enough. You can tell them, hey, take this step. Then you get to turn and say, okay, and I'm going to take this step. Now take that step, but bring them along the journey. This is what crews are. This is what the altar's for. This is for. This is what God has placed you in your friend group is for, that you you could make disciples. And you say, well, I don't know how. I don't know what a disciple looks like. God has given you the letter and he's given you the word. Delve in. There's nothing better. There's no better teacher than the one that's learning along the way. Delve in and you'll begin to make disciples. And then he goes on and says, and baptize them. Every single Sunday, we see the Great Commission fulfilled. Every Sunday, people being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What a powerful thing baptism is. Baptism is a funeral and a festival within one minute. You say, my old life was this, I'm going under the waters of death and I'm being raised to brand new life. And so we shout and we laugh and we jump and we cheer and we applaud and we go into worship because we are seeing someone making a public declaration of their faith. And if you haven't made that declaration yet, I'm encouraging you to do it. Man walked up to me on Easter and he says, I wanna uh, get baptized and I want my whole family to get baptized. I'm leading everybody into the waters and into new life. This is what Jesus called us to do. Make disciples, baptize them, and then finally teach them. Teach them. is so simple. Teach them my words. Teach them my ways. Teach them to observe my commands. You might say, well, I don't have a microphone, and I don't have a stage, and I don't have a building, but, but you don't need any of that. Jesus didn't have any of that. Paul didn't have any of that. Peter didn't have any of that. Teach those around you. Teach with your words. Teach with your life. Teach with your forgiveness. Teach with your encouragement. Teach, teach. Help, help the younger believers know the direction to take. I mean, it's happening on so many levels and uh, crews and tribes and all the different things going on here in the church. But I'm hoping that you're a part of this. Because sometimes people will come to me and they say, Jordan, here's a number. I need you to call this person. And I was like, what's their name? And they say a name I, I can't pronounce, you know. And they say, just call them. You call them. It's like, I, I can't even, I don't even know them. Hello Well, who am I? I'm the minister of the gospel. My name's Reverend Pastor Apostle Jordan. I've got your number by divine inspiration, and I'm here to... No, no, no. If God wanted me to minister to them, he would have put me in their life. He put you in their life. You're the best preacher that they'll ever hear. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, your community. They need you. And you say, well, I don't know what to say. Well, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say in that moment. Just open your mouth and be fearless, be bold. I don't think you need a sandwich thing and and a giant bullhorn to preach. I think those guys maybe aren't helping that much, shouting at everybody. But God has given you a platform influence amongst your people, and, and He gave it to you for a reason. And He says, now go into all the world and make disciples when you say, well, I, I might not make a thousand. Well, I don't see any numbers attached. Right. Try and make more than one. That's disciples. And, and get them baptized. And teach them. Walk with them. Can you do this? I think you can. And I think that's the direction everyone's searching for. And I think meaning, purpose, I think, I think the journey, I think it's all wrapped up in that. And I think God will reveal himself to you when you do it. Look at what it says in Romans. I'm going to close right now. It says this. How then... How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? I want you to know you don't leave church. You're sent out of church. Every single Sunday, you're sent. Every single Sunday, you're sent. You're sent by me? You're sent by God. And you don't walk alone. The Holy Spirit walks with you. Look at Jesus' promise. Thank God. I think maybe you could tell the disciples were getting nervous, but he says this at the end. He says, and behold, I, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a reason Jesus saved you, and it was to send you to all those who desperately need to be saved after a great conversion comes a great commission. I pray our church is filled with people that see their divine mission to be evangelism. However you do it, in whatever method, I hope you know that's part of your mission in life. Everyone wants to find their calling. Here it is, straight from Jesus. This is the great commission. By the way, it is a commission. It's not just you. Jesus says, I'll be with you. We're going to do this thing together to go and represent me and represent me very well. Thanks for listening to the Awakening podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.